grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, Matthew 9, 1 to 8, especially these words. And he rose and went home. The crowd saw it. They were afraid. And they glorified God, who had given such authority to men, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. What were they expecting? We have friends, a paralyzed man. We know from the other gospel accounts, they worked really, really, really hard to get this paralyzed friend in front of Jesus. They couldn't get through the crowds. They crawled up on the roof. They dug a hole in the roof. They lowered the man right down in front of Jesus. What do you think these friends were expecting Jesus to do? What do you think these friends were expecting Jesus to say? What do you think the paralyzed man was expecting? What do you think the paralyzed man was expecting Jesus to say? Well, whatever their expectations were, this is what Jesus said. Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. You think maybe, just maybe, there was a little bit of disappointment when they heard those words out of Jesus' mouth. My friends, what were they expecting? They were expecting a miracle. They were expecting physical healing. They had heard about Jesus. Maybe they had witnessed Jesus do it before. They knew that this Jesus was special. They brought their man to Jesus because they loved their friend. They brought him to Jesus and they expected a miracle. And Jesus, in a sense, disappoints. At least at first. Rather than healing the man's paralysis, he forgives his sins. The forgiveness of sins. We talk about it a lot in church, don't we? We sing about it a lot. God's Word talks about it a lot. In the Apostles' Creed, we confess that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. So, do we? Do we believe in the forgiveness of sins? I'm not talking about a doctrine on a piece of paper. I'm not talking about something in the abstract that's out there, the general concept of forgiveness. I'm talking about the forgiveness of sins. 
You see, many people pay lip service to the forgiveness of sins. But they don't. Or they can't believe that their sins are forgiven. Many people pay lip service to the forgiveness of sins. But when it comes to forgiving someone else, no way. Not going to happen. My friends, the forgiveness of sins is very personal. There is no such thing as corporate guilt. It doesn't exist. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk that way. Our sin is personal. The forgiveness of sins is personal. Ezekiel 18 verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of his father, nor the father bear the guilt of his son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Personal sin entails personal responsibility and requires personal forgiveness. That is the only way for a sinner to be set free. We are bound because the wages of sin is death. The evidence, the evidence of sin, it's everywhere. In our text, we see that there is a man who is paralyzed. Why is he paralyzed? Because of sin. I'm not talking about his specific sin, but sin in general. There is no sickness. There is no paralysis. There is no cancer. There is no heart disease. There is no COVID-19 apart from sin. The fact that sin is in this world means that the consequences of sin are in this world. Go ahead. Try and deal with it yourself. And you'll fail miserably. It can't be done. The evidence of sin is everywhere. Both then and now. If that were the end of the story, not only would it be a short sermon, but it would be a very miserable sermon as well. We're all sinners. We're all going to die. There's nothing you can do about it. While we can agree with that statement, that cannot be the end of the story. While the evidence of sin is all around, the evidence of the authority of Jesus Christ is everywhere in our text as well. You heard those words. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority 
to man. What did Jesus do? Jesus forgave the man's sins. We don't know whether they were disappointed or not. The text doesn't tell us. We can only imagine how we might have felt in that same situation. Jesus demonstrates his authority because the scribes and the scholars were thinking in their minds and their hearts, Jesus was blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. How did Jesus know that they were having these evil thoughts about him? He could read their hearts. He has authority. He is God in the flesh. The evidence of the authority of Jesus does not stop there. Jesus hears and knows and reads their thoughts. He gives almost a riddle-like phrase. What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or pick up, take up your mat and walk? Well, of course it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Because nobody knows for sure whether it has happened. They are just words. I can tell you, you're going to win the lottery today. Is there any authority behind that? Of course not. I can tell you, the Huskers are going to have a major upset next Saturday at Ohio State. I guarantee it. There's no authority behind those words. It might be a, a hope, a wish, a dream, pipe dream probably, but there's no power and authority behind those words. Jesus not only says to the man, your sins are forgiven, but to show that he is no charlatan, to show that he is no liar, to show that he is who he claims to be, God in the flesh. He says, rise, pick up your mat. And immediately the man is healed. The people, the people were amazed. The people were afraid. Afraid? Yes, they were filled with awe because God was in their midst. God had given authority for the forgiveness of sins to this God-man Jesus. Jesus earns the forgiveness of sins by his perfect life placing himself under the law, by his obedient death dying the death we deserve, paying our price, our penalty. Jesus rises from the dead, never to die again. Jesus attaches his Good Friday and Easter forgiveness to the waters of holy baptism. You heard that in our epistle reading for today. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Be who you are in Christ Jesus. Robed with the robe of righteousness covering over all of your sins. Jesus attaches Good Friday and Easter 
to the words of your pastor when he forgives your sins. John 20, whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. He attaches Good Friday and Easter to bread and wine in the Holy Supper. Take and eat. Take and drink. This is my body. This is my blood. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has earned the forgiveness of sins. By the authority of Jesus who has conquered sin, death, and hell. He has attached the forgiveness of sins to water, bread, wine, words. That should settle the matter, right? Jesus says it. That's it. It's over. Well, unfortunately, it's not over. We look across our world. We look at what has happened in some sections of the Christian church. The forgiveness of sins earned by Jesus and distributed as Jesus has promised and command is ignored. It is denied and it is despised. Why? Because some people think they have better words than Jesus. Some people think that their mind, their hearts, their emotions, their feelings, and their words have more authority than the Son of God. Shouldn't surprise us. God's Word teaches us that this is who we are by nature. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? My friends, when we rely on our heart, our feelings, our emotions, our words, rather than the word of God, we will always get ourselves in trouble and we too will either doubt or deny or despise or ignore the forgiveness of sins won by Jesus and freely distributed. There are three main false teachings with regard to the forgiveness of sins. Oh, there's many more than three. But three that kind of rise to the top. The first one, probably the most prevalent one today, is that there really is no such thing as sin. Maybe along with Bob Ross, our mistakes are just happy accidents. People go to great lengths to say that there is no such thing as sin. Sin is no longer 
important, a relic of a bygone era. Sin is no longer relevant to our current situation. Sin, sin's no longer a threat. Oh, you still believe that, that old-fashioned Bible religion? That, that God is a threatening God? That you, you should be afraid of the wrath of God? God is love! God is love! He could never punish. God is love! And a false understanding of love that detaches Jesus from the cross is peddled as the gospel. If there is no sin, then you need no Savior. You can go about your life trying to better yourself according to whatever 5, 10, 20 step program you want. It's about moral improvement. It's about therapeutic feel-goodism. The forgiveness of sins is nowhere to be found. A second major false teaching with regard to the forgiveness of sins, we hear it still today, maybe not as prevalent as it was a few years ago, or at the time of the Reformation, but it is still here. Words cannot forgive sins. A man cannot forgive sins. I can't tell you how many times in the 24 years that I've been here at Good Shepherd, that I've either received an anonymous note or been cornered in the narthex or the parking lot and the comment is who do you Lutherans think you are? Who do you pastors think you are? Standing up there in front of the church Forgiving sins. Do you think you're God? Accusing pastors of blasphemy. My friends, your pastor is no God. Your pastor is certainly no angel. Your pastor is a poor, miserable sinner who has been called and placed in this place for one reason, so that you would know your sins are forgiven, to preach it into your ears, to administer it in the sacraments that God has freely given, and to assure you by speaking the words of holy absolution that without a doubt, with no strings attached, you are forgiven. This is God's design, not a power trip by pastors. These are God's words 
spoken through the lips of your pastor. Much like the same way that God spoke through Balaam's donkey. The third major false teaching with regard to the forgiveness of sins is that you can never really be sure that your sins are forgiven. It's up to you. Jesus has done his part. Oh yes. Jesus has lived. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. The forgiveness of sins is there. But the only way you can be sure, the only way you can be certain, is by something you do. A decision you make, a prayer you pray, a donation you give, some, some sort of payback to the person you've hurt. Your forgiveness is conditional. There are strings attached. And maybe someone in the church, maybe someone in your family, maybe something in your heart determines what those strings are. My friends, our God is not a God of doubt. Our God is a God of certainty. In the same way that you can be certain, sure and certain, that Jesus, God in the flesh, died on Calvary's cross. In the same way that you can be certain, absolutely sure, that Jesus, God in the flesh, rose from the dead on that first Easter morning. On the same way that you can be certain that Jesus, crucified and risen, for you and for the forgiveness of sins. God does not want you to be in doubt. God wants you to be sure and certain that your sins are forgiven. All of them. All of them. And if someone wants to hold you hostage because of something that you have done in the past, if someone wants to hold you hostage, hold it over your head because they know this deep, dark secret about you. If somebody wants to talk forgiveness but will never forgive, know that these are agents of Satan and not agents of God. God wants you to be sure and certain that you are forgiven, full and free, no strings attached. My friends, these three things must go together. This is God's design for the church. This is God's design for you and your peace of heart and peace of mind and peace of conscience. One, the vicarious satisfaction of Jesus. Sounds like a big fancy word, right? Vicar means substitute. The substitutionary atonement 
of Jesus. Jesus is your substitute. Jesus died in your place. Jesus rose from the dead victorious over sin, death, and the grave. This victorious, vicarious satisfaction of Jesus is revealed to us in the Bible, in the Word of God where God continually teaches us that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. That while we continue to sin, the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, knows no limit, knows no bound, and is for you. And my friends, the Bible, the Word of God, also reveals to us that the faith that we need to receive the forgiveness of sins is indeed a gift of God. God the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament to bring us to faith and to keep us, to sustain us in the faith. How does he do it? By hearing, by believing, by eating and drinking the forgiveness of sins. My friends, this is God's gift to you. Don't ignore it. Don't deny it. Cling to it with all your life. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God.